The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Archaeology is often viewed as a fascinating, eclectic, and ultimately quaint pursuit. This program explores archaeology from the perspective of professionals who demonstrate that in the 21st century, archaeology and its sub-disciplines may hold the key, not only to our past, but to our present and future. Welcome to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, with your host, Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Spend the next hour exploring where we came from and where we're headed with a leading researcher and practitioner in the field. Now, here is Dr. Schuldenrein. This is Joe Schuldenrein with another episode of Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. One of the topics that we have addressed in some depth over the course of our several years of broadcasting are the questions of genocide, mass murder, uh, forensics, and topics related to that. Today's program deals with an element of the entire sequence of genocide associated with uh, the Holocaust between 1939 and 1945. My guest is one of the researchers that is looking at the question of the uh, Nazi escapes to uh, South and Latin America immediately after the war. As some of you may know, a variety of wanted and sentenced prisoners from uh, the Nuremberg trials and uh, not even associated with those trials in the post-war period found their way to South America, specifically to Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay, and Chile immediately after the war. They were supplied with shelter in many cases by governments, that dictatorial governments that looked the other way. And we will be talking to one of the individuals, one of the professors and professionals who was involved in doing research uh, on this particular question of the escape of the uh, the Nazi war criminals. And my guest is, in fact, Dr. Daniel Shavelson, who is the uh, founder and director of the Center for Urban Archaeology for the city of Buenos Aires. He is uh, a specialist in architecture and monument restoration, having received advanced degrees from the University of Buenos Aires and from the Autonomous University of Mexico. His area of work is mainly historic archaeology in urban areas, and he has developed programs in Buenos Aires and other parts of the, of Argentina and, and Latin America. He is especially interested in conservation of cultural heritage 
and cultural policies and illegal trafficking in works of art. Um, Dr. Shavelson, thank you so much for appearing on the program. No, thank you, to because it's a very interesting field of work, and uh, I hope I can help you to widespread all this. Thank you very much. So let's start with uh, when you began your research on the German escape to Argentina. When did you start that? We really, we start this year. Until this year, it was absolutely away from my field of work. Uh-huh. We, was, we went to Misiones State, Northeast Argentina, trying to find a 70th century uh, buildings, but we found another thing. It was a real surprise for us. So we, you didn't really plan to do this? In other words, this happened like almost like acts by accident? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we have some notice about the buildings. Right. And, uh, and uh, well, we went thinking or having in mind that it was probably remains of a Jesuit mission from 17th, 18th century. And, uh, well, we find another thing. <laughs> it was absolutely a surprise for us and astonishing. Uh, I, I, never in, I never had in my mind to find something like this. This is, this is really quite amazing. So tell me how this happened. You went to where, where it's, it's in northern Argentina, the place? Yes, it's uh, nor northeast. Just uh, uh, Misiones is a small state uh, with uh, in the middle of Brazil and Paraguay. It's uh-huh. a very strange position, right? Uh, and uh, it was populated during 20th century. The, the modern population is 20th century, and um, well, we was trying to find another thing. Well, it crossed in my life <laughs> and things like happens. And I, I'm happy, of course, but it was, and, and it is absolutely difficult to understand at the very beginning. Right. Because it was something different, you know, <laughs> it's hard to me to explain our surprise. But when you walked into, so you went into, what was it like a, a Jesuit uh, monastery or a church? Was it a church? Well, we thought that uh, because uh, it's near uh, San Ignacio, who right. is uh, a complex of buildings made by Jesuit priests, Catholics uh, during the 17th century. And we, we thought that it was part of, uh, of that uh, complex. It's in the middle of the jungle, absolutely uh, a real, real jungle. Of course. And, uh, and today is uh, is part of a, uh, a state park to preserve fauna and flora. Of course, and uh, it was protected by the trees. Until now, we had some information, just reference about buildings in the jungles, but nothing more than that. And well, we we start to to work to dig. We make archaeology, not not just uh, documentary history. Archaeology. Of course, right. And we went to the buildings, start to clean the jungle, uh, 
digging for objects and trying to understand the architecture. And, well, we, we start to discover that it was made during the, the 40s. Uh, all the objects was from the 40s. The architecture was from the 40s. Really? <laughs> and, and, oh, uh, it, Well, yeah, it was very, very strange. And we start to find coins. And uh, last week, we... Uh, we are. I, I just arrived. I arrived last night from Misiones. Uh-huh. We found something absolutely uh, amazing. In uh, in the in. Sorry, sometimes I don't have the words. Um, there was a, a a small building. All the building was made by huge stones. That is very rare here in twentieth century. Uh-huh. With bricks and iron and all that to make um, to make um, stone buildings, it was strange. And in uh, I found uh, a stone a little like move it is not on position. Right. We we removed the stone uh-huh. and we found uh, a small uh, tin box with. Uh, a picture of uh, Mussolini and Hitler. Wow. Yeah, incredible. A picture of a guy, a young guy with a Nazi uniform, uh, a guy like 16 or 17 years old, mm-hmm. no dated, probably during the Weimar government. Of course. And a lot of coins from the uh, 35, 36, 39 from the east countries of uh, invited by by Hitler right it was, it was really amazing for us uh, incredible and in the garbage pit we had a lot of uh, cans bottles um, different kind of uh, daily life objects all from that time or well or modern of course so let me ask you something. When you went there, how how many weeks ago did you first start this? How long ago was it exactly? Oh, three or four months ago. Three or the four first. months ago. So when you went, went out there, did you see at least some indications of the original buildings that you thought would be there? Yes. We had uh, some information like, uh, for example, the... Not bibliography or serious, no, no, no studies. But right. before us, there was a, a man from the press. I don't have the the name of uh, of the people who wrote and who write in in the, the media. Of course. And, and he made a, just a, and she published two or three. He published two or three pictures in a in a magazine. Or notices like that, and several people say that Martin Bormann was living there. This is very strange because uh, we start to think, what is it's rare people talking about Bormann in a Jesuit building, in a in a seventeenth century building. There was, you know, no, all, all, all was all the information was strange and rare about right. this. 
that we decide to go and to see what happened. Aha. Uh-huh. So you had at least an indication that there was a possibility that this might happen because there was a rumor or there was some information that was spread to the media that said that Martin Borman may have uh, been in that place, correct? Yes, but nothing, uh, nothing serious. No evidence. No evidence. Yeah, no evidence, no academic studies, just, just talk. I'm uh, sure that uh, Martin Borman never was there. Martin mm-hmm. Borman was dead at that time. Of course. We, but, uh, but, but it looks real. And, yes, of uh, course. Yeah. And, and that's, that's great for, <laughs> for an archaeologist. But, 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 but bringing this back into some perspective, I mean, everybody knows at this point that Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, Chile, even Brazil, these were places where Nazi war criminals escaped to. That's known, yeah. right? Yes, you, sure. You knew sure. that, of course, because, I mean, in 61, Eichmann was, was brought back from, I think it was from Buenos Aires, right? Yes, 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 so near my house. Real okay, right, and and uh, and uh, this was a very very serious organization of ex Nazis that actually had a lot of influence in the dictatorships of South America. Correct. Correct. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Right, but, and Bor- Bor- Borman was there too. So okay, so you go there and you start do you start doing your work and then it's is it a bunker that you found or is it just uh, another outbuilding or what exactly was it no well we are not sure to to say the the truth uh, right, it's not a, it's not a bunker uh it's like uh, a small um population inside the jungle you know in in the jungle just uh Several buildings, big main buildings, um, and other small constructions all around, but protected by the jungle and by big um, cliffs and near the river. The right. River, if you cross the river, you are at Paraguay. At the other side, is you are in five yeah. minutes in, the, in another country. Yes. It's very, very interesting. Well, I'm sure that that was deliberate. Oh, of course. Yes, that they put it near the border between Paraguay and Argentina because it makes sense they could run from one to the other if something happened. Or, yeah, I'm sure that was uh, factored into it. Yeah, and so anyway, so so go ahead. So what happened? And then you started your your excavations, and well, it uh, what we think is uh, it was a refuge refuge place. Yes. Uh, it's, yes, it's to place to be isolated, protected, unknown, but in good conditions. You of know, course. there was not. A, it, it was big architecture, good a good place to live in the middle of the jungle, of course, but but a good architecture. Okay, so let's go back to that. So you're starting your work. You say three or three months ago, or something like that. Yes. Okay, and, and uh, then and then you're finding all this stuff from the mid 20th century that just seems so very out of place. And you you mentioned the uh, the tin box with pictures of uh, Mussolini and Hitler and and the coins. And so now all of a sudden it starts to 
create a totally different picture. Well, then what happens? What 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 happens you as you keep digging and you working. keep poking around? Yeah. Uh, the idea is to keep working. Of course. Uh, for the moment, all our hypotheses. We need to <laughs> to keep digging and studying, and probably in a year we will have uh, you know conclusions. <laughs> for the of moment, course. we need to keep working to be absolutely sure. Okay, let me take a break right now. We will come back with this compelling, very compelling story of the discovery of a refuge used by uh, former Nazis in on, along the Paraguay-Argentinian border. We will be back with our guest, Dr. Uh, Daniel Shevelson, right after these words. Stay tuned, please. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Lots of people talk about publishing their work, but have no idea where to start. If you are one of these aspiring authors or know somebody who is, don't miss Publishing Today Radio with Athena Dean Holtz. Thought leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and in general, storytellers all want to get their messages in print. And that includes branding and marketing. Athena and her guests are here to answer your publishing questions and more. Tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Up Close with Chris Tinney is now on Voice America Variety. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Chris brings you the thought leaders, activists, and socially responsible entrepreneurs taking action for the environment, doing business in a new way, and helping the underprivileged. Call in or listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and learn how the small decisions you make today have a big impact on our small planet in the future. Tune in to Up Close with Chris Tinney on the Voice America Variety Channel. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Can you- 
We are back with a very fascinating discussion with uh, Dr. Daniel Shavelson, uh, the city archaeologist for the for Buenos Aires in Argentina, who quite by happenstance uh, happened upon a uh, Nazi uh, shelter and refuge. Uh, in the jungles uh, between uh, Paraguay and Argentina, right by the border. And this work apparently was begun approximately three months ago. He has salvaged a considerable number of artifacts and items related to uh, an occupation by these apparent uh, ex-Nazis. Tell us a little bit about what you have found so far, in addition to this famous tin box that had the photos and the coins. What else are you seeing? Well, uh, really, we've, we found a lot of things, probably over 5,000 artifacts for the moment. Wow. You know, the garbage pits are normally full of objects. Yes. Uh, that is, that is um, very useful for us to be sure. Until the moment, we uh, only have objects from the 20s. The, the, the oldest objects that we have are from the, the end of the 20s. Uh, and mostly are 30s, 40s, uh, beginning of 50s. But the idea is, I don't know who built the place as a refuge place, but probably nobody was living there or just one or two people to protect the, the place. Right. But we, we don't have uh, too much objects, uh, daily life objects. Probably the Nazi uh, don't need to use it. Because they, they, they found uh, a government in 1945 who helped them, a right. new government, right. to just give them passport and and well, most of the mostly of the of the Nazi was living in the cities. Yes. and this I probably keep uh, unused. Or with one or two people who protect the place and keep clean or things like that, if it's necessary. But, uh, and later, keep on, forget it. You know, <laughs> nobody use it. Well, really. you know, but here's my question to you. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of research, or at least some research done on this entire question. And I want to put this question to you. The thinking is that at some point, those Nazis could not have, could have, must have realized that their luck might run out, that they might get caught, that the cooperative governments of Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina would not always be supporting them. Do you think that maybe they used this place as a hiding place if they ever had to get away? Probably, because. What happened here is, uh, if the Nazi was thinking to have a, a a refuge place, some in the world like like here, in 1943 or 1945, they mm -hmm. had one government. In 1945, came Peron with another idea, another kind of government, and uh, things changed so fast. 
And at the end of 1945, they can buy a passport and live in the city. Yes. There was not necessary the side. That uh, the, the purpose was not necessary and keep uh, keep on the jungle. Right. Uh, I, 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 of course, uh, someone spend a lot of money and time and work and resources to build all that. But... <laughs> No evidence of daily life use. That is uh, strange, but it could. Yeah, it looks from from here. It, it's it's okay. It fits. It, it fit. Uh, it's possible. So, your what is your opinion right now? I mean, without having done the analysis, and everybody knows that once you start analyzing the artifacts and the distribution of these pieces across the landscape, it becomes much more alive. Do you have any ideas or hypotheses as to what this place might have been used for? Well, I think that it was a place uh, for uh, as a refuge for a family or just a f two, three, four people, no more than, because there was there, there, there are several buildings, but only one is a house. Right. Or what we call, we, we call a, a house, you know, it was leave. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it have just two bedrooms. And uh, it's not for um, so many people. This was for one family or, or two, right. uh, in, in, in just only two bedrooms. The other buildings had other purposes that uh, it's hard to know, but there were, they, they have not uh, kitchens or restroom like, like the, the, the first one. There was just one house and all around were probably buildings and other construction you know, to support this house. What about what about your original purpose, which was clearly to look at the 18th century or the 17th century architecture and archaeology of the area? Are you continuing to do that, or is all no. your energy looking at the at the uh, the Nazi element no. of all of this? At the moment, this is absolutely <laughs> a pri priority. I, I don't know if, if this word exists in English. Yes, yes, but, it's a priority, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we leave uh, for in, for the future the other uh, the other objectives uh, to study 17th century architecture. Well, sure, we doing by any of my students. I'm not so I'm not a young man, and uh, I need to use all my resources. I well, and my time. In this project is absolutely new for, for to me and uh, for the national archaeology, and uh, well, it it takes all my time. I don't have time for other things. Uh, no <laughs> well, question. I, I, how I how far away? How far away is it from Buenos Aires? Oh, it's a long way. Is in kilometers or miles? Either way. My, sorry. Either way, kilometers is fine. It's uh, over 1,000 kilometers. Wow, okay, so it's a long trip. So where do you stay when you're doing your excavations? Do you have a field camp? Well, we have a, a field camp uh, five kilometers 
uh, 15 miles from the side. Uh, at the side, you can't live, really. It's, it's jungle. Of course. And uh, you, you cannot sleep or eat or things like that. Of course. Like that. So you have a field camp. I mean, is it is it a building or is it a series well, of tents? No, yes. It's, a, it's a, a, a camping. Right. A place with your tent or things like that with some log cabins. Uh, nice place to we rent all the place to right. have room for you know to to wash objects and to put a lab and to work and with cars we go and return to the site every day it's a long walk of course but uh, but what well, okay <laughs> it's job no of course but so uh, how long have you been out there now you is he, are you Con, are you out there the entire time, or do you go back on the weekends? How does it work? No, no, no. We we, we are um, as we have other things to do. Uh, I'm director of a research center with other projects at the university, and well, of course, and uh, we are doing 15 days uh, fiddle seasons. Uh, you know, to buy uh, a dozen of airplane tickets and all that is not uh, it's not easy of course and uh, Argentina is an expensive country now yes it is and, uh, well we, we uh, I hope in uh, next month or in two months we will go again and we need time to study objects and to think and to read and to <laughs> and to discuss and all, all that. So in terms of, in terms, let me just ask you this. I mean, this is a fascinating topic, and I'm sure you've done a lot of background research um, related to the uh, housing and, and, and to the, the refuge that the ex-Nazis took in, in Argentina. And I, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Perón's regime. I mean, he, he obviously was tolerant of the Nazi presence there. Do you have any idea... How many of the main criminals actually lived in uh, Argentina, say, after 1945? Oh, well, there are books on that, uh, and there, there, there was historians who wrote yeah, great books right. about uh, this. But uh, there was a, a lot of, uh, of Nazis, but... Uh, Generals, you know, people from the hierarchy, right? The Nazi Party, probably near twenty. Uh, all the others was soldiers or you know low category people on the army, but uh, they came here because Argentina is an immigration country, like like the states. And um, there are so many people from Germany. Uh, they start to came during the 19th century. And, well, most of our population are from different places from Germany. Yes. All 19th and 20th century, that is normal here. Uh, not all the Germans are Nazis, of course. No, of course not. Uh, thanks God, <laughs> and uh, but uh, of, but the but it came uh, 
during the for between 1945 to 1947 48 arrived to the country probably near 20 high rank uh, nazis people talk about hitler or bormann or things like that but uh, no 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 not too high but on the hierarchy Mm-hmm. But we had uh, a lot of the inland, like Eichmann, Pripke, or garbage like this. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, so, and they lived well. I mean, they lived well in Argentina, right? Yes. The, the only one who had uh, troubles and was prosecuted was Mengele. Right. Mengele. Mengele, uh, right. Yes, but the others was living on cities and working, families, healthcare. Yes, <laughs> yes. Security, uh, people who killed hundreds of thousand people was walking around on the street. But it's not real because if you see our last military dictatorship who killed and disappeared a lot of people, over 30,000 people, Right. Uh, well, most of them are still walking on the street. Yes. And I'm talking about my country, but uh, that's true. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, but uh, but now Perón was sympathetic? Oh, yes, of course. He was a military trained at Italia at the Mussolini time. Times, that's he right. Wrote, he wrote an interesting book on the Prussia military army his first book, and, well, he mm, gave passport and support and having his government uh, several Nazis, yes. Yes, they, I, I understand that they were advisors to him as well. Well, it's part of our history. Yes, we I know that. Well, but we are founding part of that history. Yes, it's 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 very much part of Argentinian history. Uh, we will take another very brief break, and then we will come back with our final segment with uh, Dr. Daniel Shevelson right after these message ple- messages. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. 
We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Joe Schildenrein with an especially interesting segment on Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. My special guest is Dr. Daniel Shevelson, who is the city archaeologist for uh, Buenos Aires. And several months ago, if you've been listening, he came upon a, uh, a secret Nazi bunker and refuge area in the jungles on the uh, border of Argentina, Argentina and Paraguay, and he was intending to do some classic historic archaeological research on some buildings of 17th and 18th century Argentina, and instead he happened upon uh, artifacts and an abandoned house that was clearly occupied by a family or possibly a small group of uh, ex-war criminals escaped from Nazi Germany who had found refuge in uh, this remote area and jungle area in Argentina. And we're talking about the fact that he changed focus, actually, from his original research design to look at 17th and 18th century historic and probably church-related buildings into this entire question of what the Nazis were doing in this particular area. As many of you know who have listened to the program and done other research or followed other research, uh, South America was a very uh, extent uh, was a very very well documented haven for Nazi war criminals. Uh, probably uh, the most famous ones that were caught there was uh, Eichmann in 1961 and Martin Bormann more recently. And of course, there's also the question of uh, of Mengele. So let it. Let me ask you again, uh, Doctor. Uh, Daniel Shevelson, so now that you are focusing all your efforts on this excavation, what are you looking at right now? What are you excavating in particular? Well, uh, we had three main buildings, and 
we only have an explanation for the use of one of those buildings, the house. Right. The other two are, are I don't have, a, but places for places to work. Uh, but we cannot find an, ex an an explanation of what kind of work or what was the purpose to make the other two main, main buildings. Uh, not to leave, probably to do something, but I, <laughs> I don't know what. And uh, we will start to dig inside the buildings and all around. And our next step is to write a first book, a first volume, probably next December, January, February, here is uh, summertime. I will use the time to, to publish uh, a first book, a first approach to the site, and open the place for tourists. This is uh -huh. very important for us. The, the place is open, but nobody knows where, where it is. <laughs> We are talking with authorities to put signals and uh, things like that. And uh, because the people need to, to see the place, to know what happened, and to know part of our history. I know it's not a nice or the best part of our history, but, <laughs> but it happened. And, uh, well, it's, I think it will be good, for, especially for young people, to see the place. And to know the history is not a complete history. It's not a closed history. We just opened that. But, uh, well, they need to see because it's not the same. Uh, for the, uh, I saw in, uh, on kids that one thing is to talk about H-Man or the Nazi. Another thing is to see uh, material remains. When, when you're talking about material remains, you had mentioned earlier in, in the broadcast that there are over 5,000 artifacts that, that you have recovered. What kind of things have you recovered? Well, uh, uh, bottles, medicine bottles and liquor or alcohol bottles, mm -hmm. uh, uh, cans, especially from food, different kind of food. Uh, the kind of food you can use in that kind of environment, uh, like condensed milk or uh, meat, uh, I, I don't know the name of the canned meat. Right, the right, preserved meats, uh, yes. Yeah, things like that. And uh, we have many, uh, we, we find so many, this rear, uh Bottles and remains from medicines. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, really a lot of uh, of, of uh, vials and different kind of bottles from medicines and uh, fragments of irons and uh, well, it's hard to me to explain. Um, glasses from light, uh, different kind of uh, light, light, uh, well, I, I, I don't have light the words. Light bulbs. Let, let me yeah. ask you one question. Are all of these, can? were they opened or were they preserved? I mean, no, open, open, open. Open yep. and in garbage pits. 
And in garbage pits, right. So people had already consumed them. Yeah. Okay. Because I was wondering if it might have, like, as I said before, you know, one's immediate suspicion is they were probably to some degree scared that they might be discovered and that a different government would expose them and, and possibly have them um, deported to, to Germany for prosecution. But you're saying, no, these people actually just sort of lived there for a while, right? That they, they stayed there for, Do they stay there for short periods of time, do you think? No, I think that more, more that... Several people during a small time, I'm thinking in one or two people uh, during a long time, several years. One or two people just to keep clean the place, to uh -huh. put the trees, and to preserve the place if it was necessary to use it. That's but correct. Not, right. not a family. Right. Use, or not people... Uh, special because there was very cheap and, and uh, cheap cheap objects. No, right. no, no, nothing expensive, nothing uh, from that you expect to find from people of high rank or who came from the hierarchy. Right. All is simple, poor, and modest. Probably Maybe people just, who were just uh, just there to maintain it. Do you think? Yes, yes, one or two people in charge of this the place, and that's all. For example, yeah, yeah, tell me, please. No, no. So, so you know, again, I'm think I'm always thinking that you know it's it it may be because of its logistics setting on the border that that somewhere there might be a need for the Germans to get out quickly or to do something like that. But, you know, you might find information on that if you check the other buildings. I guess my question to you is, do you know if it was occupied after the war or even before? I think, and it's only a think, it was built before the war, before the end or near the end. And uh, it was not really necessary to use uh, for the political changes at Argentina during '45, right, right, and then and then it, is your feeling is it was it, it was abandoned? Yes, absolutely. In the '50s, it was abandoned. It was abandoned, and no indication that anyone came back there. No, no, only if, during the last year, you know, garbage, modern garbage. Yes, People, of course. Yeah, but so, so the question is, when they were living there, I mean, it must have been a very remote area, right? There were any roads there, any way in or out, or, or at that time, oh. or no? No, at that time, no. Now, yes, it's a park, and uh, it's an open park, uh, a national park. Right. But, uh, but now it's open. It was open during the 1980, 1986 or 87. This is a very close jungle area, and nobody likes to live there. It, it keeps uh, uh, absolutely abandoned. It's, mm -hmm. it's just like a, a small area of jungle between two big cliffs of, of, uh, of stone, and well, this, there was not a place, or is not a place to live. And there are other nice places around. <laughs> of course. 
and it okay. keeps uh, abandoned. And when the parks open, they found uh, the the buildings, but uh, all all the people thought that there was all remains from the I don't know from the 17th century. Nobody studied. Nobody really, you mean there weren't even on the surface, there weren't any cans from the 1930s or 1940s? I mean, it would seem that the surface survey would would certainly show you that uh, there were some items that were exposed on the ground, no? Yes, we are uh, finding objects all around for meters and meters. It's, but it's a hard job because all discovered by... <laughs> By trees and uh, of course, this is really a hard environment to work. Of uh, course, I don't like it, but it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> what are, What is the most unusual artifacts that you're finding over there? Anything that might provide you with some kind of an indication of a special occupation or special use pattern or anything? What are the most outstanding items that you're finding in the artifact collection and the assemblages? Well, is the probably the thin can that we found. Uh, 20 days ago with the pictures. Right. There was expected to find a, a thing, a, that thing, thing, thing can with, you know, with uh, uh, money, it's Argentinian money. Right. Uh, not really value. It's, uh, today is around 200 bucks, $200. Mm-hmm. There was not too much money for the time. Mm-hmm. Coins. And the picture, the, the, the Hitler and Mussolini uh, meeting uh, in Italy, it's a nice picture, and a picture of this guy that we don't know who who, who was, and uh, probably it was the, the man who was living there, mm-hmm. uh, will take time to identify him. And uh, and coins, you know, very cheap coins from different countries of Europe, from the the Nazi time. Uh, This, uh, that that was our most interesting find. All the other things are archaeological finds, you know, like an old can. Yeah, no, no question. The people. But in all probability, there's some other little treasures like that scattered probably in the two other houses, which you haven't looked at yet, right? Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, we need more time to to keep working. Now, all the work is being done by students? Well, the, we have a good, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a good uh, interdisciplinary <laughs> team. Uh-huh. Archaeologist, uh, historian of archaeology, of architecture, and uh, students, of course, who volunteer. Uh, it's a nice and int- a good opportunity for them. And uh, well, different. Uh, it's a. It's not a too big team. It's 20, 12 people. But to work in a, in that isolated place is is too much people. <laughs> Oh, it is. Right. And and how how are the working conditions right now? uh, At the site itself, it's horrible, awful. Yeah, is Uh, it really? Yeah, yeah, because it's 100% humidity. 
Uh, yeah, it's a rainforest. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's a rainforest. Bugs and all. And the the well, it's, it's really it's not a nice place to stay. Yeah. Uh, the camping, uh, you know, it's an open place with tents. Okay, it's different. You have a shower and <laughs> things like that. Oh, they do. And is there electricity there? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yes, yes, we we had good conditions. The problem is to spend eight hours a day in the in, at the site, right? But this is this is the job of of an archaeologist. Uh, of course, no. Our, that's what they do. That's what we all do. And you were anticipate. How long do you anticipate you will be excavating there? Well. I think that we will be again uh, October next October to keep digging. If we can September, great, uh, but not not before that date. So we right now look. you're not you're not there anymore. You're you're gone from say June until September, right? See, because July is uh, the. Winter vacances here. Of course. And, uh, well, there it's not easy. Right, and so you you hope to resume say in September, and are you going for another few months from September October through through January, or how long does the field season last? Well, uh, I'm I'm not sure now to say the truth. I hope uh, we will be uh, probably no more than a month at the place. It's too hard, uh, right. especially to me. It's a little hard to to spend more than twenty days, thirty days. It's too humid and uh, too dirty, and up and down. It's not not a challenge. It's, not it's a challenge. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a long walk all days. Right, and uh, well, it's to clean mountains at my age is not uh, is not easy. And and uh, just one final question as we come to an end of a very fascinating hour: Who is funding this project? Who where where does the funds come from? Different sources, private sources. Uh, Here is not easy to find. uh, No, I'm sure. Sources, absolutely. Uh, we have uh, some money from an United States institution uh-huh. and uh, from an Spain from uh, from Spain and from some private donors here mm-hmm. who help us and are interested to well to keep working. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Shavelson, for uh, your, your taking the time to share this very fascinating story of archaeology of the uh, post-Holocaust period and the entire story of the Nazi, if you will call it a migration of the Nazi pr- uh, criminals to uh, remote parts of Argentina and, of course, the surrounding countries of Brazil, Uruguay, and Paraguay. Thank you so much for being part of our program, and I wish you all the best in your future excavations. Thank you very much. No, thank you, and call me again at the end of the year. I hope uh, I will have more information. We will definitely do that, and thank you so much, and, and have a wonderful evening. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Please join us for another unique journey into the past next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the meantime, think about the past with an eye towards the future and a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.